Hello, everyone. This is Meaning What. I'm Matt Wiseman. Today, I got a big show for you. Um, I've been doing a lot of research, a lot of thinking about these things, and I want to talk about Tara Reid. In particular, I'm going to cover three segments. First, what is Tara Reid's timeline of events? Second, what is the timeline of events and the analysis and the reporters? How has this been litigated in public, the public litigation? And third, just analysis about what this could mean politically, socially, culturally, how it's become a dividing line again between progressives those with integrity, those seeking truth, those believing truth, those having values, and and cynics, those people treating it like a game. So it's going to be a big show, and I've been putting a lot of work into this, and I hope that you appreciate it. I hope you take something out of it. Um, any discussions you want, you'll be happy to leave them on my website on the uh, Meaning What page. An anchor at .fm. You can leave me voice messages. Uh, you can send me uh, emails at meaningwhatradio at gmail.com. I'll be happy to respond, happy to get any kind of feedback. All right. So let us begin. Tara Reid was a staffer in Biden's campaign. Uh, in Biden's office, his senatorial office, his, he was, <laughs> she was a staffer in 1992. And she, she this is when um, Bill Clinton was in the White House and Joe Biden was in the Senate. And he was the head of some committee. <laughs> he was a very important senator at the time. And she'd only been there a couple months, maybe a year. This was 92, 93. And she realized that like he was putting his hands on her. He was uh, smelling her hair. Um, he, was, he was commenting, just really treating her like an object and made her very uncomfortable. She never welcomed these kinds of advances, never wanted them. And she followed up about it and she complained about sexual harassment and he was objectifying her and he was being handsy. You know, these are common things we've heard about him, but at this time she actually talked internally to her supervisors and to um, the proper channels. And she was told to play ball keep her head down there was a scheduler and an assistant said you know dress differently they were being very critical of her work performance after she made these complaints even though she was fine beforehand um you know her job was basically to to help take notes and to manage the interns push papers around you know very entry level she had a little bit of experience but this was dc and she was coming from california so this was big for her and she wanted to have a career that was modeled after Joe Biden so that maybe she could be in the Senate one day. We know that didn't happen. Um, and part of the reason is these things. There's a guy named Dennis Toner uh, who was under Ted Kaufman and these are the people she went to to verbally report what was going on and how she was feeling uncomfortable because her supervisor kind of dismissed her. Um, she wasn't told at the time, but the position was a high turnover. So there's most likely a lot of other women that felt uncomfortable or that were abused, um, that were harassed in this position. So then comes the incident. So this is, she's already had all this verbal nature. They, um, they were retaliating against her already. And then she 
had this incident. If you're listening with children, this is explicit. I'm not going to pull my punches. This is what she said happened. And I believe that we need to be truthful as much as possible. So her supervisor, the same one that told her to keep her head down and play ball, gave her a gym bag. Didn't tell her anything about it. No discourse, no talk to anything. She got a bag from the supervisor and was told to give it to Biden. She gives it to Biden um, in, a, in a hallway, a pretty secluded hallway in one of these big chambers. And without even really talking to her, the bag is gone and she's pushed up against the wall. His hands are all over her, including down her skirt. And he enters her with his fingers. So she pulls back. Biden is indignant and he takes a little coaxing in the uh, Katie Halper interview, but he says, you're nothing to me when she pushes back away from him. And then he pats her on the shoulder and corrects her and straightens her up and says, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're okay. So obviously she's traumatized. She's very upset. You know, he leaves, you know, she's out of her mind. She goes to another part where she can be alone and she's like shaking and crying and she calls her mom. And her mom, of course, was uh, an activist and she was a believer in women's rights. She was an actress. And she said, call the police, make a report. And she didn't want to. She went to the bathroom, cleaned herself up and went back to work. When she tried to say something to her supervisor, about what happened, and, and this is me just adding a little supposition, but perhaps the supervisor knew what was gonna happen because he'd maybe done this before. People that assault women, that harass women, it's not personal, it's about power and objectification. So it's likely he did this before. The fact that this position had a high turnover is likely that he did this before. The fact that we have evidence of him harassing young girls on video, making them feel uncomfortable. We know he's done this before. Now assault isn't different. It's not hard to imagine though. So the supervisor shut her down, didn't want to hear it, didn't want to take her complaint. So she didn't actually say anything. Um, and she didn't see Biden and avoided him as much as possible since then. But she actually had an interaction with him afterwards with a mandatory meeting where he put his hand on her shoulder and she has this big curly hair. And it's like, puts a hand between her shoulders and like he's stroking the back of her neck with his thumb. And this is a person that never really flirted with him. She wore business suits, you know, maybe pencil skirts and shoulder pads. This is the early 90s. And, and he's treating her like this. So the assistants to the supervisor were critical. They told her to dress differently. They told her, you know, try not to be so noticeable or you're too sexy. So they were retaliating. They were trying to make her feel like she brought this on herself. And she admits during the interview that she felt that way. Um, there was a retaliation. They moved her to a windowless office. She had a, an office with a window before. She took away her supervisory responsibilities for the interns. She was not allowed to go and do her job or take notes. So all she did was look for a new job every day and come into the office. And eventually um, she couldn't get a job. She had talked, spoke to a friend uh, in Kennedy's office. And there's a friend that, that knows about the situation and has does wishes to remain anonymous, but she's confirmed all of the stories. So her friend knew at the time, she told her brother, um, her mom kind of got it out of her. And, um, and she was looking for other ways to report this outside of the office. Eventually she makes a written report to the center, the, the Senate, um, personnel office. This is outside Joe Biden's office. And it's a written report of sexual harassment. 
She didn't want to tell anybody about the assault. She was very shamed. She brought it on herself. And this is very common for survivors. Um, but she did tell her mom. Her mom said it would get worse and the retaliation would get worse. And her friend was looking in, then Ted Kennedy's office was looking into other ways to report this. Um, she knew that there were, that Ted Kennedy was fine and that there, there, this wasn't a known thing, but Biden was kind of known to be this way. And she didn't know coming into it. She was just grateful for the opportunity, but other senators knew and staffers. And we all know that he's a creep, but is it assault? And really, it's not hard to imagine it is, is what I'm saying now. Um, she told her mom about the encounter, as she said, explained it after her mom kind of pressured her on it. She didn't want to. Uh, so she ends up quitting without a job. She takes a job back in California and goes back over there. So that's kind of the initial testimony that she gives or the account that she gives to uh, Katie Halper and the Katie Halper podcast. Later on, uh, we know from other reporting, which I'll discuss in the second part, um, that she moved and in addition to telling her mom and her friend and her brother, um, her mom had called into CNN onto the Larry King show. There's a recording of that. And she had told her new supervisor in the office in California that she had this history um, where things ended badly at, at, at her last job. And she, I don't know if she went into details. And that's Lorraine Sanchez, her old supervisor. And she told her neighbor that she was assaulted. This is like a year after. So this is 95, 96. Um, so she had told her neighbor one night uh, in the same apartment complex that this is, um, let me just get her name for you, Linda Lacoste, uh, that she had been penetrated, that she had been assaulted by Joe Biden. So all of these things were corroborating her story at the time. Now, that's the first part. And that's what we know from those sources. Her mom has passed, so we have that CNN call in. Um, then she tried to come forward. So the story of her trying to come forward happened much later. Uh, in 19, it, when Lucy Flores came forward in, in the end of, uh, 2019 in April of 2019, March, March of 2019 in New York mag, Lucy Flores, um, was running for Lieutenant governor at an event and Joe Biden had touched her inappropriately too intimately and made her feel very uncomfortable. So she came forward and she reported this in 2019. Um, there's another woman named Stephanie Carter in 2015 that has come forward. So it ended up being seven women that were coming forward at this time in the, um, the beginning of 2019. So Tara Reid tried to come forward at that time. And she even reached out to Lucy Flores and you know, she was remiss about her lost career, her lost opportunity. She was traumatized from this and became an advocate for women, for domestic abuse, survivors. She, you know, she's a lawyer and she doesn't practice law. What she does is she gives like free legal advice for domestic abuse survivors. And she Whitney, you know, she, she's an expert testimony almost for free, you know. So this is the kind of person Tara Reid is. You know, not this illustrious professional like Christine Blasey Ford or whatnot. She... She's just a working class person, highly educated, very intelligent, probably would have become a senator, probably would have been a, an attribute. And her career ended because of Joe Biden, allegedly. So um, she tries to come forward with Lucy Flores. She emails Flores and the, why she puts her in, and Lucy Flores puts her in touch with the Washington Post. The Washington Post does not follow up with her. She gets a, a local local paper interview where she's living in Nevada. This is in 2019. And it's called the Nevada uh, County Paper. And they 
they're going to slander her. She doesn't feel comfortable. She doesn't tell her story. Okay. Um, the paper does print what she does say to them, and she gets death threats, and she gets um, she gets trolled, and it's very horrible. It was a hit piece. And then so she didn't want to come forward anymore. Didn't want to try it out. Um, she thought about coming forward a little earlier, but her, her daughter was still young and she didn't want her to kind of live with this. So this is why she's coming forward now. She tried in 19, 2019, now she's coming in 2020. Um, but she's lived with this and this is who she is. When Biden responded to the allegations from Lucy Flores and, uh, and the other seven women, including Tara Reid, his response was basically, I'm, I'm old fashioned and I touch and I, and I understand that things have changed and I need to change, so I'm gonna change. But this is how I connect with people as I touch them. Um, I don't know if that's ever appropriate. I don't think it is. That was on April 3rd. Now let's go to right now. Let's go to what happened. Just this is a part two where we're going to talk about the reporters and the this is the part two we're going to talk about how this has been litigated in public and the the major significant reporters involved and the timeline of the reports coming out and why is that significant march 24th Ryan Grimm from The Intercept writes an article about Time's Up. Time's Up is an organization that supports Me Too uh, survivors and the Me Too movement and people that have been sexually harassed that need support and needs um, help. And they took her case, they took Tara Reid's case. They were gonna help her. They put her in contact with some lawyers. One lawyer was interested. That's what they do. They facilitate and they publicize. Uh, the help with your PR and your kind of like living expenses to make it easy for you, right? So um, one uh, lawyer was interested and he ends up saying, you know, he's connected to Joe Biden, so he can't. And then Time's Up gets back to her and says, hey, you know, since Joe Biden is running for president, we're a 501c3. We don't think we can support you. We don't want to help you. Uh, we don't want to lose our, you know, our, our aid. We're still there for you in name, but we're not going to be able to give you any resources at all. And you're going to have to pay for a lawyer on your own. So that was the end of her trying to come forward. Uh, the connection between Time's Up and Biden, it's actually more complicated than that. There is, um, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Let me tell you. The, the Time's Up lawyers... Okay, so Time's Up is related to SKD Knickerbocker, and SKD Knickerbocker is their uh, public relations firm that works for Time's Up, and Anita Dunn is the managing director of SKD Knickerbocker, and she is also a top Biden advisor. So here is a senior advisor of Biden's campaign that happens to actually own a public relations firm that is an exclusive representative of Time's Up. So that's a conflict of interest and also suspicious, right? So they wouldn't support a Me Too survivor because of the person that was named. And so of course, Tara Reid was distraught. Um, and that was kind of the end of that interview. It was just Ryan Grimm exposing that. Well, the very next day, Katie Halper does her show and actually has an interview with Tara Reid to hear her side of the story. This is when Tara Reid actually says her piece. You know, she never talked about the assault allegations. She never talked about it before. It was always sexual harassment. As always, I felt uncomfortable. And this is where on the 25th of March that she actually tells the world. And Katie Halper knew this and didn't want and tried to reach out to other avenues and say, hey, you should break this. This would be on you. And nobody would hear it. Nobody wanted to hear it. Nobody was going to hear it. So the very next day on the Hill Rising, um, Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jetty 
they interview her to be her first on-air interview. And that's the first time she's actually getting recorded as being, I am a sexual assault survivor and Joe Biden assaulted me, right? So she said it on the record and on air. So a couple days pass. It's the... (laughs) It's the, the, uh, the 4th of April when Bernie Sanders drops out of the race, he concedes. We've been in this pandemic and all of this kind of gets pushed to the wayside. You could say that, except it's being covered and it's very credible. So this is an actual, a hot take, as you, uh, if you will. This is a big story and it needs to be pushed forward. And people were only talking about the coronavirus, but I can understand that. But within how many weeks? You don't say anything? The article on the 24th of March, the, the lockdown really started around the, the, the 16th to 17th of March. So we were already in coronavirus land, but there is other things happening. And then Bernie Sanders suspends his campaign and that's everywhere and everybody covers that, but people are not covering Tara Reid. So the 10th of April, um, Business Insider, Mitch McHugh, uh, who is the, he worked with Ronan Farrow as an investigative reporter at NBC. And he left NBC and now he is a freelance and he's working and published in Business Insider. So Mitch McHugh is very respected. He is very good. He actually found Tara Reid um, because of one of the survivors from Weinstein connected them. So there was this personal connection. Rich eventually sat down with her, vetted her, vetted her brother, vetted her, um, her friend and found it entirely credible, wrote this report. And this report uh, that he breaks on the 10th is about the police report that was filed on the 9th. So Tara Reid files a police report alleging sexual assault um, that Joe Biden sexually assaulted her in DC. And there is, she can get 30 days in prison and a heavy fine if this is found to be false. I'm sure that more is on the line than that. The, the 12th of April, New York Times finally reports on it. They confirm with staffers within the office uh, at the time that she was retaliated against, that she was moved, that she wasn't supervising any uh, interns anymore. Um, they also, they misportrayed the whole situation. They edited it, they, you know, with input from with the Biden campaign giving them input. So they changed the the headline of the piece. They changed the tweet that they put out and they delete it. Uh, and they, they've waited 19 days to release this. And um, the Brett Kavanaugh allegations, they waited two days, right? So this is highly irregular. And the day after on the 13th, the New York times has a follow-up about their errors. Um, that is written by Ben Smith. The the people that wrote the last one were um, Lisa Lehrer and Sydney Ember wrote the first on the on the twelfth. The uh, that confirms the retaliation, and they actually stick in um, an article that that Trump also had allegations against him. So what? <laughs> you know, how is Trump relevant between a woman that comes forward with allegations against Joe Biden? What is, you know, Trump is worse. So therefore that has something to do with Tara Reid's allegations and the, the validity of them. And they, they have these, they try and discredit her, right? There's a lot of other people that come up, but the, the, Ben Smith does this thing and he follows up with the editor-in-chief, Dean McKay, the executive editor of the New York Times, and basically confirms that they held it, confirms that they, they did this edit and they didn't note it. You know, when you have a correction in, a, in an article, you have to note it, that it was corrected from the original version and why. This wasn't noted, and his excuse was the Biden campaign thought it was um, inaccurate, and we agreed, so... Since it was an inaccuracy, we just corrected the inaccuracy without noting it, which is very corrupt. It's just corrupt. 
Um, and so that happens. Uh, Mitch McHugh on the 21st of April, Rich McHugh uh, says, has an article again. Uh, well, actually, this is just a tweet where he says the University of Delaware that had that um, Tara Reid said had this written report of the senatorial records that she had, had given to the Senate uh, personnel office and was in the University of Delaware, which keeps all of Joe Biden's senatorial records. Um, uh, Rich McHugh, after the police report, had written to them and said, hey, we want to see those records. And he got a final, um, he got a response on the 21st that said, a written response that, that you're not going to get them until two years after Joe Biden has left office. So basically shut down entirely. Uh, on the 24th, Ryan Grimm from The Intercept again, he discovers that CNN clip. He, he covers the whole whole transgressions and everything that's happened so far, and that CNN clip verifying that her mother from uh, San Luis Obispo um, called in to Larry King's show and asked for advice about what my daughter can do. Um, said that she doesn't want to go to the press, and so they just talk about abuse. You know, she had a situation, so she was talking around it. Didn't want to expose her daughter at the time. But this is all the way back in 93, right? This is when it just happened. And uh, Larry King basically says, go to the press. But that's another cooperation of these events happening and people taking action at the time. Um, then on April 27th, uh, Business Insider Rich McHugh again comes out. And this is just uh, last week or a week and a half ago. Uh, and he had talked to Linda Lacoste, the uh, the neighbor, the year after 1995-96, and the the coworker, her supervisor, had her new job, Lorraine Sanchez, and they both corroborate her story, right? So this is important. Like we're getting more and more corroboration. This is one of the strongest cases because of all the people that have come forward of sexual harassment and people corroborating it at the time or around the time that it happened. It's almost open and shut. Uh, there, there's no way to find evidence for these kind of things. And the criteria we have set up for in the Me Too movement, you know, like Christine Blasey Ford had what, like her psychologist verifying that she had told her these things. You know, she had a friend at the time. She mentioned she went to this party and that friend doesn't remember even going to the party or anything about it. So we, people that say that they, they believe that Kavanaugh is a, uh, is is a sexual assaulter um and in christy blige for you believe her story i do i believe her story and she had much less so a lot of these people in the mainstream media have supported uh dr ford and they have denied uh tara reed and it's just kind of disgusting because if you believe women you have to be consistent if you don't believe women then be consistent at least you know there's some kind of argument one way or the other now, if you want to believe Tara Reid and then vote for Biden anyway, at least you're consistent, you know. So um, moving on, the the uh, BuzzFeed also broke an, uh, broke a article about this. You know where they um, analyzed that uh, New York Times inaccurately suggests that the Times investigation found that Tara Reid's allegations didn't happen. Yeah, the the BuzzFeed report um, by 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 uh, Ruby Kramer and Rosie Gray um, were talking. They they discovered the the talking points that were refuted by um, Ben Smith on the 30th. So there were these talking points um, that they were saying the New York Times exonerated him and the New York Times denies it. But, you know, that came after the, um, on the 29th of April, the Washington Post editorial board, says, uh, board comes out and they wrote an article and they say, Biden must address this. He has to say something now. He can't just stonewall it. And so this first came up on March 24th, and now here it is um, over five weeks later, 
and people are saying he's got to address this. Uh, there's a gentleman named uh, John Carl, who is the chief of the Washington Correspondents, and he comes out and says, yeah, he has to address this. Um, New York Times, Ben Smith on the 30th of April says, just release the papers. It's got to come out no matter what. Biden needs to release the papers. It's That's what it's going to come to. We need to have these papers released. Um, and they're using, and, you know, these other mainstream media outlets are using the New York Times. It says, you know, Ben Smith is from the New York Times. They're using him as cut. They're using them as cover and say that the New York Times had cleared Joe Biden. And um, and Ben Smith just clarifies that, you know, in his article that this was as it was reported. We report what we knew. And that's all we can do is report what we know. We did not clear anyone. It's definitive. <laughs> we did our reporting. We added to the story. And then on the uh, the first of May, Mika Brzezinski from Morning Joe on MSNBC interviews Joe Biden. As a little side note, uh, Sagar and Jetty in The Hill Rising on the 30th of April says this is exactly what Joe, uh, Joe Biden's going to do. He just calls it. He says he's, he's going to say it never happened. He's going to say I'm a champion for women and He's going to bring up the Violence Against Women's Act. The the general defense from the um, from the Biden campaign, because Biden himself didn't say anything for five weeks, um, was blanket denial. You know, this never happened. It never happened in his whole history. He's never done anything. It's kind of ridiculous because we've seen him harass people on television. And um, they just weren't going to say anything. They weren't going to talk at all. So, of course, it got to a point where he has to talk. That he has to say something. So, what does he say? You know, what? How does he answer these things? Well, what he does is he responds saying, "It never happened. It never, 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 ever, ever happened." He says, "You know, unequivocally, never happened." Yeah, it's very strange, and it reminds me of Hamlet. You know, that thou protest too much. You know, you, this is how I know you're lying: is that you say too much. <laughs> You, you protest about it. Um, then they, you know, Mika pushes them pretty hard. And he said, and, and Joe Biden says, we're going to, I urge the National Archives to, to release the records about the, my, the personal records regarding Tara Reid. And he, he says, I'm a feminist champion, just like Sagar. And, you know, he denies it. Denies. So Sagar was right. And he brings the Violence Against Women's Act, um, you know, which was part of the crime bill. And probably not something he even really supported, but he's going to take it. You know, it's it's a credit to him. So Mika pushes him and says, you know, why did not open all of them? You know, there is this debate if it's in the University of Delaware or if it's in the National Archives. You're saying National Archives. Tara says it's the University of Delaware. Just open it all up as if this singular document is the only kind of proof that we need to either exonerate him or find him guilty. And of course, Joe Biden doesn't ever want to do any of those things. It's all just a, you know, a mistake. You know, he keeps equivocating and pushing, um, pushing the issue around and it doesn't really get anything done. So the whole thing is kind of a bust and he denied it. And that's all you need to know. Um, Mika never brings up any kind of cooperation, right? So the, uh, the fact that the coworker said that there was retaliation, the fact that her mom was recorded in Larry King. The fact that her friend had confirmed all of these things at the time that worked for Kennedy's office. The fact that her brother, um, Kala Mutan, uh, Multan, um, had confirmed all of these things happened. And then her her next supervisor confirmed that she had told her about this. Her next uh, her next door neighbor, when she left, had had said this happened, and she had told her about it like uh, two years after it happened. All of this cooperation is very, very important in the Me Too era. If you're going to say you believe women, and you're going to say that these things are not to be litigated and we cannot have this burden of evidence because that's not how sexual assault and sexual harassment works. You know, Weinstein was put away because of testimony. Because women came against him and they said that this is a pattern of behavior and that he's done this to me. And he was put in jail for that. So that was the culmination of this Me Too movement being legitimate and that women's stories 
being are legitimate, that we don't need to have evidence of sexual assault to believe women. So let's go to the analysis. This is the last part. Um, and I, it's sad. It's very, it's a sad thing because there are people who believe in values. There are people who believe in women. There are people who are feminists. There are people who, you know, think this should be very simple. You have a standard, you believe in that standard. I believed in you in the standard. And what we found is that it's just not true. People are going to weaponize it. So um, there's something I, I called it the organic versus the, the sponsored support, right? So if you believe in the values of the Me Too movement of Time's Up, of, of Believe Women, um, then it, it, you have an organic support. You believe in those values. You, you want to support women. You want to be there ideologically. And there is nothing in your way. There's no other consideration. If it's a Republican or a Democrat, if it's somebody you like or somebody you don't like, if a woman comes forward and it's credible, if it's cooperated, you know, uh, there's a, as a, a criteria in journalism. You need two verified sources before you roll out a, a newspaper, you know, article and um, you write something. So we have more than that. We have way more than that for Tara Reid. So this is extremely credible and we just have to hear it out. There has to be, you know, full on investigations. Um, and there's not, there's not, you know, the sponsored support where people are using these, the YouTube, the Me Too movement, they're using Time's Up, they're using Wimp Believe Women um, as a political instrument to kind of push an agenda of cultural signaling, that's the sponsored support, right? You kind of need both of them so that you can get your point across, but that sponsored support is soft support. You know, obviously, if you don't like what the political ends are, then you're not going to pursue this. Well, that doesn't, that comes in conflict with the organic support because the organic support continues to have the values, continues to have integrity, um, especially when it comes to these reporters. These reporters are just reporters. But there's just champions of women and people that pretend to be champions of women, you know, because there is this sponsored support versus this organic support. And at the end, it's going to hurt women, right? Even if you believe terror, you don't believe terror, be consistent. Stand for what you're going to stand for. But if you're saying that, like, I'm not going to believe terror because I think that it's going to make Joe's chances at the presidency go away or I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, wait to believe Tara because this happened in the nineties um, like the New York times did because Bernie Sanders is a threat. It's just so ridiculous and cynical to think that this political moment, there's no, there's nothing you won't sacrifice your integrity, your champions of truth. No, you're all just flacking for you know the rich and powerful and how is that any different than than being the assaulter or the violator or the harasser yourself you are abusing your power to protect people that abuse their power and that's not acceptable and we need to get to a place where we can call that out and not be attacked or we're not at that place and let me tell you a little bit about why we're not at that place. Because the people that were litigating this, people that you know were asked, supposed to ask the questions of Joe Biden, because he was giving interviews during this whole time before he gave this, this final interview to Mika Brzezinski uh, on MSNBC, he was giving interviews and he was giving, he's had these softball interviews where they wouldn't even ask him about this history. And if you think that Joe, uh, you know, Donald Trump's not going to use this against him, you're totally wrong. It's just, you know, touchy-feely old Uncle Joe, it's gross. And that was going to happen regardless. Now he's just got more evidence to do it. And of course, Donald Trump is going to hammer him. But Joe Biden is not a good nominee. And yeah, of the half the people that voted in the primaries, most of them voted for Joe Biden. 
That's a fact. Everybody else suspended their campaign. That's a fact. But Bernie goes on the view or something, and he was asked about this. AOC was asked about this, and they say, you know, we need to have an investigator. We need to find the truth. You know, both it matters. All of these reporters that were involved. I'll give you a list just so you know. Katie Halper. Um, Crystal Ball. Sager and Jetty. Ryan Grimm. Ben Smith. Rich McHugh. Ru- Ruby Kramer. Rosie Gray. All of those people have integrity. They are the kind of journals that you can listen to because they're fearless and they're taking, they're courageous and they're taking their values and they're putting them on display. And there is blowback from this and it is not easy to do. But why do you do that, right? Why do you do that? It's because it's who you are. It's what you stand for. And if you're not going to stand for anything, is it even, what are you? You know, then you become, you know, not a journalist at all anymore. You're just a publicist. You're just a a consultant. You're just a lobbyist. You're just some kind of advertising firm. You know, if you want to be a journalist, if you want to do news, you have to have integrity. It's a requirement. You know, they, they, the New York Times tried to squash it. And Ben Smith, and to his credit, followed up and said, hey, you can't do this. You know, the, we have integrity here. We, are, we have a certain level of expectation, and so do our, um, our followers. You know, the Washington Post didn't follow up. It, there was voices against the people that come. So all the the v, the the Veep stakes, the the vice president nomination of Joe Biden. They're they're saying you know it's going to be a woman, and so all these people are being spoken to, and everybody was asked about Tara Reid, why Biden wasn't. I don't know, but Gillibrand, um, Abrams, Harris, Warren, they all said I believe Joe Biden. Well, Joe Biden hadn't said anything at that point, but they said, I believe Joe Biden, you know, and they just turned their back. All these people were, you know, me Too, believe women heroes, and they just turned their back on them. Pelosi had a question about it. And, you know, she also said Biden will be Biden, which is the boys will be boys. Right. In other words, he's creepy and gross, and we're going to accept that. No, we're not. Alyssa Milano, who was um, very big and a very big part of the um, the Me Too movement and the case against Weinstein, she came out and said, I believe Biden, right? Lindy Lee, who works for um, Joe Biden and is pretty terrible in her own right, she she said, and this is a quote, is a quote now that Tara Reid's story is completely imploded, I hope that the FBI investigates Nathan J. Robinson from Current Affairs, Katie Halper, and Ryan Grimm for their role in this fraud. Tara, or whatever your actual name is, you have gravely harmed real Me Too survivors. And this is hashtag I believe Biden, hashtag I believe Joe, hashtag Tara Reid is a liar. So that's a senior advisor for the Biden campaign coming out and putting that out there. It's straight out of a Trump playbook. It's just total nonsense. And I wish that was it. You know, the the mainstream media put out article after article. Um, the view, what all of those women were fawning over Joe, and they didn't ask him once about the the believe women. Um, Amanda Mercat of Salon did an article, and she basically, you know, was is a feminist champion and she dropped the ball and she's like, you know, we need to support Joe Biden and that this is, you know, not credible. And all of her points were trash. Emily uh, Alford of Jezebel, same thing. Michelle Goldberg of New York Times, same thing. So these women that were feminist leaders just shot themselves in the foot. They decided that they are going to be part of this corporate sponsored support, not be the organic support to the values of what really matter. And I get that people are scared, 
But if you betray your values, what do you actually stand for? What's the whole point of this? And so it's not okay. You know, it's not okay to, and, and there's been polling about this, about people um, because of these allegations, uh, if they're going to vote for Joe Biden or not. Um, and it was something like 40% were unsure, um, you know, and you know, 60% were unsure and 40% said they definitely would. Um, but of the people that were unsure, there is, you know, like a break, uh, you know, 25 and, you know, 34 of like unsure, 25, definitely not. Um, and in the, in that group, when you went to the the sub tabs, you went and got in the details, it was mostly people under 40 that were like 60, 70% not going to vote for Joe Biden. And so this is the same kind of thing as the progressive issue, you know, and it's, and, and it's kind of been used as this political football where if you are a Bernie Sanders supporter and you had questions about Joe Biden and you didn't think he was a good candidate, now he's a rapist. You know, when the hashtag Joe Biden is a rapist is trending. And there's a lot of evidence towards that end. And I was following that stuff on Twitter. But regardless, the fact that he doesn't really want to talk about it is almost an admission of guilt. And he already was a weak candidate. And, and he was making no concessions to the left. So I don't want to make this about political politics because it's not really about politics. This is about, are you going to represent values that are important to the American people or not? And if you can't respect other human beings, I just can't believe that you would listen to the values of the people that are trying to drive this party in a positive direction he's definitely going to either be an empty vessel that can be pushed and pulled, you know, similar to how Donald Trump was in the, in the white house, you know, like him or hate him. He had some good ideas, some populist ideas, and he got none of that done. Zero. And a lot of his staff ended up being these corporate guys and people like Paul Ryan and people like Mitch McConnell had their way with the country past four years. And people want to blame Donald Trump for all that. But in actuality, it was the the DC insiders. It was the RNC and the people that were establishing the RNC. If anything, if Trump ever stood for anything, and that's debatable if he did or he didn't, he stood for some kind of populist, anti-immigration, anti-global trade, anti-war um, platform you know, draining the swamp, anti-corruption, anti-status quo. And here he is, he totally portrayed all that. But so did Barack Obama. So it's not like we can't take good ideas from them. But I just don't see how Joe Biden can lead this country. And if you're saying that this is uh, about Joe Biden, then you're already dismissing Tara Reid. You're just saying this is a discredit to Joe Biden instead of being something traumatic that ruined Tara, Tara Reid's career in politics and put her on the path and defined who she is now. I don't know. When I look at this, I just see a colossal media failure and a lack of integrity. So it's real clear battle lines of who can you trust and who you can't trust. And I do not think that you can trust the mainstream media at all at this day and age. And this is proof. They are not out to protect us. They are not out to inform us. They don't really care about the truth. They care about influence and power. And Joe Biden and his campaign are leveraging that. Well, this is the result. Eventually, there's going to be a reckoning of those who believe in truth and they, those who believe in freedom and those who believe in the role of the, the media and the press is essential to any kind of free society. And if you're going to pervert that, you just don't deserve to be around. You know, if power, the power, it's that cynical view of politics, that people that are in power 
you know, what's the saying? It's um, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, so if you're an, ever in a position of power, you're you're an instantly corrupted. I, I have to reject that because I believe that you can be a leader of people if you have a core sense of self and you have a good um, group of allies around you. And you can, you can, the example that comes to mind is Jesus Christ. For whatever reason, he becomes this martyr and he spreads this great idea, but he has this core group of people around him that support him and follow him. And he feels beholden to them and they, you know, hopefully can, can be beholden to him and, and trying to adjust him if he's ever acting out of character to kind of keep him on course. Uh, but I think that on the left, we need to understand that that's kind of what we need is we need to be people of integrity. And I, I feel still sad about um, Bernie Sanders suspending his campaign because I feel like he was a person of integrity. And maybe now with Jeff Weaver starting a super PAC, maybe he wasn't, you know, I think that, you know, David Sirota and uh, Brianna Joy Gray are fighters and that they, they should have had more of a position where they were going to fight for him. And he could be the benevolent hands-off guy, but he can't cold, throwing cold water on them. Wasn't going to help move the cause. I think they're going to go on without him, but still, you missed a great opportunity by not electing um, Bernie Sanders. That's all right. We're going to move on. We're going to do our best. Thank you for listening to me today. I I hope that you have a uh, wonderful week. Uh, I hope you were informed and any feedback you want to give me, uh, meeting what radio at gmail.com is a great way to do that Um, if there's voice messages or anything I'm happy to hear those I'll see you next week Uh, catch me on the last outlaws on YouTube I will have a a small segment about this um, where we'll talk about the the fight in the media over truth alright have a wonderful day